Rising recession odds, a handcuffed Fed, and financial stability goals run smack dab into inflation goals. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Welcome to it in the next hour. Well, you got great timing. We're going to cover some fun stuff. IRS red flags. Okay, maybe that's not so fun, but that's in Ask Annex. Also on the way, social media investment decisions. Why they might not be a good idea. Another not great idea is cashing out your 401k when you leave a company. And a lot of people have been switching jobs. It's a bad idea, and we're going to explain why. And toward the end of the show is marriage retirement security. That and more coming up. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano is our President and CEO. Welcome to you. Yes, thank you, Danny. And there's so many insights that we want to take a look at today. And I think you did a nice job of framing out exactly what has happened with the Federal Reserve and potentially a change in path. Derek, there's, you know, a long awaited meeting was this past week and we waited for not only the FOMC meeting and of course their quarter point raise, but what they said afterwards. And there was a lot to take away from that. Yeah, there really was. And I think, you know, it depends on how you want to approach it. You could look at it negatively or positively, depending upon your persuasion. But generally speaking, the Fed did raise the dot plight estimates just a tad over where they had been previously. A couple of weeks before, we thought they were going to raise those dot plots significantly. And by that, I mean where they thought interest rates would ultimately go to combat inflation. And, you know, of course, the events with the regional banks over the last couple of weeks, uh, liquidity issues and so on, basically short-circuited what was a more hawkish stance on the part of the Federal Reserve. Yeah, and I think really what the takeaway is, what is the market saying about that? And when we talk about the market, it could either be the economics of what we're looking at, it could be the stock market, or it could be the bond market. And what I want to focus on here is what the treasury market is doing. The two-year treasury at 3.6, and of course the 10-year at 3.2, that has come down significantly, and both are significantly under the Fed's rate right now. Right. In fact, every single maturity on the yield curve is below the Fed funds rate. That's happened in the past. But in the past, when that has occurred, we have had a recession that developed shortly thereafter. So that's, I think, what the real issue is, is how deep a recession? Will it be shallow? Will it be one quarter? And given what the Fed said in their communique, you know, they're looking for 0.4% growth in 2023. Atlanta Fed says Q1 is going to be over 2%. So that implies three negative quarters for GDP of the balance of this year, which also would imply three down quarters for job growth. And that's certainly something that will be politically unpalpable for many. Yeah, you think about that and you talk about, I call it a 5% terminal rate. In other words, where the Fed is going to stop raising at the Fed funds rate now at 475 to 5 yet signaling there might be 25 basis points yet before they pause. But when that rate is significantly above the treasury rate, the bond market is telling you something as well. Not only will there be a slowing of the economy, but perhaps something else is amiss. Right. And I, I tend to have much more faith in, in the bond market than a bunch of unelected officials, many of whom don't have economics degrees. So, you know, let's just assume the bond market's right, that the economy is going to slow. Gunlock, the, the bond king, would tell you that when the two years below the Fed funds rate, the Fed is about to pause. And what we've been waiting for is is that sign, that signal that the Fed has stopped hiking rates, even as they continue to do quantitative tightening through the reduction of their balance sheet. Although this is even more shocking. In the last two weeks, two-thirds of the reduction in the balance sheet was eviscerated because they took all those yeah. loans for deposits. So what's going on in Washington is very complicated. Uh, the valuation of the S&P 500 is 14 times 2024 estimates if you exclude the FANG stock. So there are values out there, uh, but the market is becoming increasingly top-heavy. We've seen the FANG stocks roar again this year, and many of them are trading at higher levels than they were pre-COVID. 
two points I want to go back to. Number one is that quantitative tightening, something that we've talked about a lot, where the balance sheet has been decreasing. As you said, spiked back up. The chart is really kind of humorous, if you will, to look at. And number two, what is happening with the banking industry further suggests that lending will be tighter going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, regional banks, most of the commercial lending in this country, most of the real estate lending, the money center is not as much. And there was a mismatch in some cases on duration with regard to the treasury securities that they purchased to to basically match their liabilities, which are deposits. So uh, very complicated. So we spent a lot of time this week on the committee, you know, looking at financial companies, you know, where were the vulnerabilities? We had a scare on Friday with Deutsche Bank, the credit default swaps spike, similar to what they did with Credit Suisse prior to the week. But, you know, by the end of the day, people realized Deutsche Bank actually made $6 billion last year. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Dave Spano, our President and CEO. More to come with them. The Week in Review, always available on demand. Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, the Axiom on Sunday mornings, Spotify at the top of the hour. Just search Annex Wealth Management. By the way, tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock, catch Dave Spano on WTMJ Conversations with Libby Collins. Definitely some things we don't cover on this show. I really recommend a listen. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, March 25th. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We are back. Quick reminder, we got a great podcast called the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. It comes from our Annex Wealth Management investment team. Builds an audience every single week because I think people like it and they pass it along to others. That's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats from the Annex Wealth Management investment team every Monday morning. Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, we were talking about the week in review and, of course, the Fed making news. And the other thing that happened is the Treasury Secretary made some news as well. She spoke on the day that Powell was speaking and then kind of walked it back, which I thought was pretty interesting because, of course, she used to be in the the chair that Powell now sits in. There's some reason for optimism as we perhaps could get a relief rally if it indeed is the end of the rate hiking cycle. I think that's a, a very easy thing to accomplish. I was looking at, you know, Bank America came out with this uh, survey of, of institutional positioning and the allocation to equities is the lowest it's been since 2005. So by that measure, more negative than the, the peak of the great financial crisis in 08 and 09, which I would argue is much more serious than what we're confronting today. The other thing about Janet Yellen in 2017, she, she said, you and I would never see another financial crisis in our lifetime. Um, it's only been five years. So, so you know. Whose who's lifetime, right? <laughs> well, you know, we're, fortunately we're still around. But, you know, on one, one day she said they weren't considering backstopping all deposits, even those above the, of, above the insurance limit. The next day she said they would consider it if appropriate. Well, you can be damn sure they talked about it uh, because many people believe that's obliquely what they did. Because how are you going to say to a Cleveland bank customer that their, their deposits aren't allowed to be backstopped, but the Silicon Valley guys can get theirs backstopped? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, credibility is something that we've talked about, not only at the Federal Reserve, now obviously at the Treasury as well. So that suggests that there's probably things that you can do in your portfolio to mitigate risk when there is such uncertainty. And there's a lot of things that you can do as risk management solutions that we do employ. One of them, and the easiest, is proper allocation. 
And that goes back to what you talked about in the earlier segment, that the team goes through every one of these holdings to make sure that they are appropriate. Right. And, you know, sometimes we do get blindsided by un- unforeseen events. And, uh, you know, so you have to do stress tests on the companies, and particularly, say, in the financial sector. They're not all monolithic. You know, banks have different exposures. They have different risk managements. They've got different quality management teams. They have different valuations. So there's a lot that goes in there. Uh, but generally speaking, in this environment, you probably do want to be underweighted financials, uh, particularly into quarter end, because, you know, window dressing, I don't know a lot of portfolio managers are going to want to admit that they're overweight financials in the midst of all the news we've heard recently. And you talk about window dressing, that's the end of the quarter when they have to report their holdings. And that's kind of changing a little bit, Derek, that uh, exchange-traded funds, there's now more money there than there is in the mutual fund business. But that is certainly one of those defense mechanisms that you can use. The second that I think is an appropriate would be a lower vol type of portfolio lower volatility, something that you look at on a daily basis. Right. So you're talking about utilities, staples, healthcare, perhaps. Um, ironically, I, I also believe some tech companies are actually seen as a safe haven as well. A, because there's there are big weightings in the indexes, and B, because they generate a lot of free cash flow, don't have any uh, balance sheet issues with regard to debt and pay dividends. And so you talk about identifying potential issues in a portfolio, and that means it takes a team to do that. As we all know, there's really a great team that we have assembled here. These guys have PhDs and CFAs and MBAs, and they go through that. And that's important when you're talking about who is pulling the trigger on your portfolio. You know, is it an insurance guy with a bunch of mutual funds, or is it sophisticated, experienced investment team? And that is identifying risks and reporting on them, not only to the team, but to the clients as well. And we're going to do that as the quarter end comes up. We have a reporting that comes out and a report that you put together. Right. We, we call it the QPR. That goes out with our performance summaries. It's, it's, it, it's both an executive summary, which is really meant to cover the, the basic issues at a fairly uh, high level, and then a more of a minutia-oriented backdrop that is for those that are really interested in some of the jargon and our, arcane thinking that, that many people in the financial business seem to, seem to like and, to talk and, and about. Let me just add, and not only to the QPR, but you and I will do a presentation as well for our clients and send that out as well. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, Dave Spano, President and CEO. The first two segments on the show, always hitting hard with the investment stuff. You know why? Because we can. We've got the teams built to do that. Same thing with retirement planning teams, tax planning teams, estate planning teams. You know, when you leave a job, one of the options is to cash out your 401k. Hardly ever a good idea. And we're going to talk about why next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management, is back. Hey, Tom. Hello, Danny. Based on stats, workers are likely to change jobs several times during a career, probably more than several, right? There's a Pew Research study that estimates that 30% of American workers change jobs just in 2022 alone, most for higher pay. Here's the downside. Too many people cash out their entire 401k when they leave a job. Spoiler alert, it's a bad thing. Suboptimal, Danny, as I like to say. You are correct about that. Do you think it's as simple as workers leaving think they have to cash it out? I don't know if it's that people feel like they have to so much as it is that they know that they can. You know, you yeah. kind of like you said at the beginning, we've got people who change jobs more often than they used to. My first job, I was in there for 10 years and I'm coming up on the decade here at Annex. So I haven't had as many opportunities, but I do think it's the easy thing to do. And so it's what people do. 
Boy, but I don't know if they know, when you cash out a 401k, you get dinged. Dinged, Danny. I don't know if that's the right word. It's mo- this is more like a, a full-on collision, So, and it's with the tax man. you got to be careful understanding that when you withdraw money from your retirement account, especially when you do so before age 59 and a half, really before when you're thinking about retirement, you're looking at serious tax consequences that are kind of hard to figure out until kind of the year is over. So you're looking at penalties, income taxes, things like that. So a lot of times it ends up being a bigger hit than people anticipate. Let's back up just a little bit. There was a study of over 162,000 U.S. employees who left jobs. They were covered by 28 different retirement plans. They left in a three-year period that began with COVID. Were you shocked by those numbers? I was blown away. 41% plus of the employees cashed out their 401k savings on their way out the door. And 85% of those took out the whole balance. That did surprise me, Danny. In some cases, people lost their jobs, but that was less than 30%. So it wasn't the big number. No, and that makes you think, okay, if less than 30% of them, it was due to losing their job altogether, then why did so many of them take the money out? And mm. I think it goes back to, we've all got things to spend money on, and it was an easy place to, to get some cash. We're with Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management, leaving a job, cashing out a 401k. During COVID, there were relaxed rules on withdrawals. Maybe that contributed to that? It did for sure. And I understand why they did that. But when you consider all the tax credits, the student loan relief, all the other government help, the measures that they put out there to help people, I don't think that sacrificing the future was the right way to go. But again, Danny, I'm the 401k guy, so of course I'm going to say that. So why do so many people cash out at a job change specifically, and then they undermine their retirement security. Why not roll that 401k balance to an IRA or a Roth or a Roth IRA, keep the money in their employer's plan, or transfer assets to new employees if available? Those are all those options. And I think with Secure 2.0, Danny, as you know, we continue to talk about that legislation, they are trying to make, they being the government, are trying to make it easier for people to continue to save that money long term. With technology, it is easier. So continuing to save is actually easier than taking the money out. It's just a matter of people understanding how to, to make that happen, whether it's a transition from one employer to the next or rolling it into an IRA. Obviously, all things that we spend a lot of time helping people with here at Annex. I don't want to be the big brother or you know put up guardrails or a lot of regulation, but maybe it shouldn't be that easy to cash out. I don't think it should be. You understand why people do it. We all have limited budgets. Inflation isn't helping things, but we are going to need to have money in retirement and people need to ask themselves, where is that going to come from? I think this is a cultural issue of just, you look at your phone, you click on something and it shows up your house three hours later. That's kind of the culture that we have and we need to be real careful about it, Dan. Okay, so I'm an HR person and somebody has given me a resignation note. How motivated am I to warn them not to do this? And is it their responsibility? That's a great question, Danny. I spend a lot of time working with HR departments and they are, they're strained. They've got a lot of stuff going on. So when someone leaves, I think there's a part of them. And these are all good people who really do take an interest in the people that they're they're helping but it's like you know i've got all these people who are still here who i need to help how much yeah. time am i going to invest on somebody who just decided they're going to leave so the mechanisms are in place with the advisor that's obviously the role that we play the people who are holding the money whether you know the record keeping custodian people there are lots of people who are there to help it's just a question of who's going to step forward and, and provide that help yeah so you've been with annex for 10 years you've been working with companies for that long to hear this kind of stuff, it's got to break your heart just a little bit. It does. You know, Danny, I spent time living in South America and part of what 
provoked me to be in this industry was seeing how hard people down there would work for years and years and years, have nothing to show for it. The opportunities that we have here in this country to create wealth just for even the average person are so fantastic that, yes, it does break my heart when we waste those opportunities. It's understandable why it happens, but I I don't like to see it happen. Before I let you go, maybe there's somebody brand new to the show. How can we help those company owners, those CFOs or HR professionals with employee benefits? You know that education is a huge thing for us, Danny. We focus a lot on the education we provide to employees, but that also goes to for employers. So helping people understand what are the options, how can you leverage the tools that you have with the provider you're currently with is a big part of what we do. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Saturday, March 25th, still to come, Ask Annex and how to build retirement security for women. It's bottom of the hour time for news. And for that, we head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Ask Annex, got a question for us? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. You click that Ask button. If we can help, you click the Get Started button. When we get tax questions, we talk to Tanya. Tanya Sinha is Manager of Tax Planning at Annex Wealth Management. And folks, she is so busy, we couldn't even get her in the studio. I had to track her down on her cell phone. How is life, Tanya? How are you? Hi, Danny. Life is great. I love doing taxes, so this is the best part of my life. Did you hear that, folks? She says, I love doing taxes. All right, we got a couple of tax questions for you real quick. The first is, what are some red flags that trigger IRS audits? That is a great question during the tax season. We all know that during past few years, tax rates have dropped, but IRS has plans to get those audit rates up. With that, the common red flags would be for self-employed. Business owners who file Schedule C, for them, documentation is the key. They are at high risk, especially if their income is cash-based or if they receive 1099s. People who get 1099s for their income, IRS also gets a copy. So they have a system to match it with your tax return. So if you miss it, they will know and you will get an audit letter. Another would be, again, this is also for business owners. If you put your expenses with rounded numbers, that catches the eye very fast. So make sure you have the receipts because people tend to overstate their expenses. Another thing would be taking higher than average deductions, losses, or credits. But again, if you have proper documentations, then don't be afraid to claim those. Tanya Sinha is manager of tax planning on Ask Annex. Got two questions. Our second is, what is education credit? Can I claim it even if I pay for my kids' college tuition through a 529? Absolutely. And this came up a lot this year also because our clients were giving us 1099Qs form you get when you take the distributions out of 529 plan. But then they were not giving us another form, which is called 1098T. We need that to take deduction on the tax return. There are two kinds of education tax credits. One is American Opportunity Tax Credits. It's for first four years of college education. And then we have Lifetime Learning Credit. We can take that after we exhaust American Opportunity Tax Credit. Talk to your tax advisor and see if this is a good fit for you. Tanya Sinha, Manager of Tax Planning at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you very much. Thank you, Danny, for having me over. Now in the studio, Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hello. Hello, Danny. Matt Morrissey, Investment Team Manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hey, Danny. Got a couple questions for you guys. First one is from Chris. I'm eight to 10 years away from retirement. 
active in my company 401k, does it make sense to switch my 401k contributions to Roth contributions or wait until I'm retired to convert what I have? Well, there are definitely some things to consider. What's your current tax situation now and what do you expect it to be in the future? You know, Roth contributions are made with that after-tax dollars, meaning you pay the taxes up front when you contribute. So this can be beneficial if you are projected to be in a higher bracket in retirement than you are now. On the other hand, if you are in a high-tax bracket now, it may make sense to use pre-tax dollars to make those traditional 401k contributions. And depending on your financial situation and if you have some disposable income, you can always consider doing Roth contributions with after-tax dollars. Or if your income is too high right now, look into doing some backdoor Roths. Some of the things we like to stress is that asset location. Again, remember, we're always talking about asset allocation in the portfolio and making sure you're diversified. But you also need to be tax diversified. So take a look at your asset location mix. You know, we use that three-bucket approach, tax now, tax later, tax never. Are all of your retirement assets in that tax later bucket? And if so, you could really have a tax nightmare once you hit that required minimum distribution age. So we'll want to shift some of those assets into that tax later bucket. Most common way is through Roth conversions when your income is low, typically between retirement and RMD age. I want to pick the tax never bucket. <laughs> I apparently love the tax that's, never that's bucket. The good one. Apparently not. Okay, Matt, got a couple for you. First one's from Phil. Any comment on the survey that reported nearly 60% of institutional investors said they've used Reddit for investment decisions? Yeah, I think initially that number seemed really high to me until I, I kind of sat down and thought about it. I think investors are always looking for different sources of information. And you obviously want to vet all of those sources as a part of a due diligence process. But we don't really use Reddit for that. But, you know, Twitter is a great source for financial information. You know, what you really want to do is find people that you trust, read through what they have, track what they're saying and how that's been working and what their backgrounds are. Where are they working? What's the purpose of what they're saying? Is it to talk their own book and to talk up investments that they already have? Or is it educational? You know, there's a lot of people that I think provide a lot of great insight. Using different sources to find those people is really helpful. Speaking of that, Doug asks, do the commentators on CNBC know what they're talking about, especially someone like Jim Cramer? Yeah, he's certainly the one that that people point to the most. In fact, there's actually ETFs that track his investment decisions. You can have long Jim and have the ETF that tracks what he says to buy to to actually invest in those, or short Jim to actually go the opposite direction and bet against the things that he's saying. So that's kind of funny to watch. But again, you want to watch what are they saying and why are they saying that? Ultimately, CNBC is trying to sell ad dollars. They're getting getting people on there that people are going to want to listen to or or pay attention to. And sometimes those people are there to make bold statements in order to attract their viewers. It's not that different from like ESPN, where you have a lot of talking heads and they might all be making Super Bowl predictions, but who are actually the people that are generally more right than not? And those are the people that I would want to follow. But again, you want to do your due diligence on who they are and what they're trying to get across. Matt Moore is the investment team manager. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Sarah Kyle, wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome, Danny. Is marriage retirement security? Used to be, but the mindset is changing. We're going to talk about that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development at Annex Wealth Management, also a CFP, CDFA, and a wealth manager at Annex. Welcome back. Hi. So it was an old way of thinking, but marriage used to be considered retirement security. And Deanna, I can see your skin crawl. That that mindset <laughs> is rapidly changing. Yeah, a man is not a financial plan, right? <laughs> yeah. We like to say, yes. But I, although the wage gap by gender still persists, it's much better than it was, by the way, 27 years ago when I got into this profession. But women's progress in the workforce has clearly been enhanced through their economic status as individuals. And women have gained an educational 
educational attainment, workforce activity, and earnings, and the progress has indeed translated into wealth. So you looked over this study from the Center of Retirement Research at Boston College. I did. And it found that women who spent the majority of their adult life single, whether due to divorce or never getting married, now generally as well prepared for retirement as married couples. Now, And you wrestled with that a little bit. I now, did. what is behind that? Okay, well, first off, if you consider Title IX of the Educational Amendments of 1972, and really, yes, I think we were both around for that, um, this was really pivotal in mandating gender equality in educational programs and activities where there was federal financial assistance available. So this contributed to more women going to college and into better-paying professions than ever before. First, the share of women with a degree has increased enormously, and advanced degrees, by the way, from 15% for those born in the 1930s to one-third of the women in the late boomers, you know, having these college degrees. Now, the study was talking about single women. It's not the case for married women, though, is it? Yeah, so this is why I struggle a little bit. This might be traced back to investing in financial behavior because the Great Recession hit men. Okay, why? Well, it hit their fortunes. We know that's statistically harder than women. So the married couples of a traditional male-female couple, the female counterparts suffered from that. So during that time, if we think about the Great Recession, it was a period of higher unemployment and slow wage growth, and that would affect people's ability to save for retirement. And now, of course, we're coming into higher inflation. And the same could be said, right, where people are spending more out of pocket. We know that the Great Recession had a greater impact on men and their married female counterparts suffered a little bit more than unmarried women. Okay, but couples are couples, right? Right. You're kind of tied together, right? Right. That's kind of how that operates. How bad did, did it turn out to be? Okay, so the percent of prime age women in the labor force has increased from 57% in the old generation, okay, about half of the women were working, to 76% for the late boomers. So this increase has markedly reduced the differential between women and their male counterparts in terms of their wealth, right? Because they're they're participating in the workforce more. So women on their own, when we're looking at retirement replacement income, tend to fare better than women in a male-female partnership. Now, also, here's another part I struggle with. Remember that some of this can be attributed to the fact that the wealth and defined contribution plans like traditional 401ks is down in later times. When you compare that to some of the older generation having those set pensions, yeah. which really aren't around anymore. Yeah. What's interesting, and this is the way Annex Wealth Management thinks, is we found this study, chewed through it, and did not take it at face value. I like that you kind of really dug in and used your experience and your knowledge. Oh, right, because, you know, it's weird. There is, of course, not a one-size-fits-all to anybody's financial plan or their situation. You work with male and female clients. You work with couples. You work with single women as well. Are you surprised that only one in five women are, quote, very confident about retiring with enough? Not at all. I think this is something that women struggle with, especially women in their 40s and beyond, is the financial education and just feeling historically talked down to by advisors for a long time if they had a male counterpart there, especially. Uh, You know, a woman on her own has to face the struggles of the budgeting, the investment management, all of that, really, and understand it. But in a couple situation, usually they would bifurcate the financial duties. One person would do the budgeting Mm -hmm. or bill paying, the other person look at the investments. So when that woman would end up on her own statistically outliving the male counterpart or because of death, divorce, you know, disability, then they're set again with looking at everything. So we have to convert the retirement replacement income, that positive 
pot of money into what do you really need in retirement, and that's where the differential happens. So if you had the magic wand and you wanted to kind of fix this, and what would you do for women not feeling confident? Well, you know, this is why we have the Women in Wealth group here at Annex Wealth Management, and we have our third Thursday of every month workshops around financial topics. And we believe that women enjoy working with women, teaching women, learning from women. And so this is a women-centrific group that meets every third Thursday of the month to talk about germane financial situations and issues and ways that we contribute to the conversation and things we can pull from the conversation. So our events are always complimentary and they're always bring a friend that you don't have to be an annex client, but I think that's important. Secondly, I think really going through the exercise and facing your fear and building out that financial plan and seeing, am I on track? I, as a planner, I have to say it's never too late. What we don't want to do is put ourselves in a situation where we feel like we're chasing return or having to take more risk on than we should because we're afraid we're behind. So there's no greater time to look into your situation than right now. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We're back. Quick reminder, this show is going to be available on demand at the top of the hour. You can get it at Spotify. You can get it at Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. You know, Derek, when we talk about elite wealth management, there really is something that goes into that. First of all, you have the investment team, something that we spent the first two segments of this show on speaking about what we're doing and what the thinking should be going forward. And the second part of that is what is the planning side? What is the true wealth management side? And that includes everything from wealth transfer strategies, financial planning ideas, estate planning advice, trust services, and tax planning. And it takes a team to do all of those things. But you talk about risk management, and that's something that we're hearing right now, is how do I preserve my wealth and have risk management to my portfolio? And part of that really is doing the work on what you own and why you own it. Right. And, and, you know, and that is complemented by, you know, Riskalyze and other tools that we use that really stress test portfolios, because at the end of the day, we need we need to cover people's monthly expenses, their travel needs, what they want to do for their grandchildren and the rest. And I think our clients, that's why when markets are really volatile, we really don't get that many phone calls because we've already prepared them for the volatility that's inherent in in their chosen risk tolerance level. Uh, So they understand that that they can sleep at night because they actually said, hey, you know, I'm okay with a 10% decline as long as you guys are doing the right job in terms of allocating the equity assets, which is where the volatility comes from. So. You know, I, I think it's all about behavioral coaching on on the wealth managers from the wealth manager's perspective. And we're constantly speaking with them about what we're doing, what we're thinking. So no one is surprised. And part of that, too, is experience. And I don't want to talk about just your and my experience, but you think about, you know, the 150 employees that we have. But you and I have now been doing this for nearly four decades. And so we've seen this before and we can compare it to 2008 and what happened in the great financial crisis, 2001, even the Russian debacle in 1998 and compare that right down the road. And the experience is really a good point. I mean, if you're in the airplane and the pilot leaves the seat and starts running down the aisle, that's not a good thing. We're in the seats. We're making sure that we're headed in the right direction. And experience is important. And not only that, having a fee-only fiduciary. And those are important words, folks. This is not a chicken dinner and a sales pitch for an annuity. This is true financial planning from professionals. 
Last piece I want to get to, Derek, is tactical investing. So in the core of investing is we put together a portfolio based on certain parameters, but around that we do some tactical thinking. We have been doing that in the portfolios. Yeah, so basically at the core we want a, a, a portfolio that is optimized for uh cross correlations and the rest, essentially at the, the efficient frontier, if you will, to use some jargon. But around the edges, we like to invest in areas that we think have greater opportunities. So for example, on a, on the tactical side, we like dividend paying stocks, great free cash flow, buybacks, the rest, high quality companies. Uh, we like the tech sector. We like healthcare for a lot of reasons. We've held healthcare as a tactical waiting for almost a decade. We like the gold miners because we do believe the dollar ultimately will, will go lower. And, and we like uh, energy, and we look at energy from the perspective of free cash flow multiples. Yes, year-over-year comparisons in energy stocks will be difficult, but those companies are still going to make lots of money, even with oil at 70 bucks. Yeah, you're kind of knocking me off uh, my path here. But uh, again, WTI at 65 to $70 is not the expectation where most thought we would be by the end of this year as we go into the driving season. That surely represents an opportunity. And folks, when we talk about elite wealth management, all of this stuff goes into the conversation. Who is helping you? Who's by your side? Are they acting as a fee-only fiduciary? What is their experience? And are they trying to subtly sell you something? All goes into the plan of who you choose and who you work with. We've been doing this for a long time, folks. It really makes a difference. Know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And Dave, you know, just in the context of what you just said, one of the things that I learned as a fund manager is, you know, it's not hard to be in the top decile over a one-year basis. You make a big bet and you're right. Uh, the thing is that if you make the wrong bet, you're in the bottom decile. And if you do that two years in a row, you're out of business. And really what what re- what is reward is consistency in a process. So if you're in the top quartile three years in a row, you're going to be in the top decile over those three that three-year period. And you get there by stock selection, choosing managers with great processes who are invested in the funds they manage, and just being tactical about opportunities as they present themselves. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, thank you very much. You're welcome. Dave Spano, President and CEO, thank you. Thank you, sir. Folks, the Annex way is to present the information. You make the decision. For elite wealth management from a fee-only fiduciary, click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Catch Dave Spano on WTMJ Conversations tomorrow, 11 o'clock. Call it an inside look at our leader. See you next Saturday at 10 o'clock. If not, on Spotify, it's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ.